0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. You know, sometimes there is something like that that happens, and you may be saying, like what? Well, that sustained cord. And there are times that God is reassuring in ways that we would never understand with our brain. And yet I think some of what um, even came out there at the end, to me profoundly, is... He wants us to realize there is a sustained touch on our life from Him. A sustained touch. He never really lifts His hand off of us, ever. It's like the music coming out of a woman of God that not only comes to bring the ministry that's in her heart, but she comes to receive from God so that what she brings is of the nature of purity that it will also touch our hearts. That She's anointed to receive the love of God, but then it flows through every fiber of her body. It doesn't just flow through the the notes that she plays on a keyboard, but it flows through her voice. It flows through a combination of her releasing the love she's receiving while we, too, go into that space with her. There's just something about the embodiment of Christ that is far beyond what we can think about with our brain. It's far beyond... And um, so I I just kind of want to say that tonight because God knows what every one of us need and we're going to look at that a little bit tonight of um, the truth that God is not willing that any of us ever perish. It's not just he doesn't want us to go to hell as opposed to heaven. It's far bigger than that. It's far bigger than that. Um, You can go to hell before you leave this earth. You can live in a hellish situation and yet God is present always with us to sustain us. And even to play music that way through Asia, I, I'm, you know, to think it's about time to start, but then to catch, okay, no, no, there's, there's a vibe coming out of that. There's an energy from God coming. And I even opened my eyes and looked, and different people had their eyes closed just receiving. And, you know, the cool thing, I love this about God. I don't have to understand what I'm receiving. I don't have to understand. I don't have to chapter and verse it. It's religious people that make you chapter and verse it. It is chapter and verse. Some of the things I experienced when I first came here, I had no chapters and verses for it. At least the ones that I was raised in did not support what was happening to me here. And yet there was something happening inside of my heart that this is God. This is God. He has come for me. He's come for me in ways that my brain wasn't... It was prepared but not really, not with chapters and verses. In fact, some of the chapters and verses that supported what were happening to me, I couldn't read them that way because I had been trained. Pastor Barry used to say, um, don't read the Word of God with a ring in your nose. You know, In olden days, they would put a ring in in a a cow or a bull's nose and they would lead them by that because that's a very sensitive area of tissue. And so one tug, and they're going to follow you. They're going to go where you want them to go. And... There are, you know, legalism is like that. I'm not against church teaching, church doctrine. I'm against when it robs us of the freedom that Christ gave us. He paid a very high price to make us free from our own fears and from constantly thinking that we're doing it wrong, that we're not pleasing him. Because we don't do things to please him. He's pleased just to look at us. So good. You know, I I have three kids, grown adult kids, and they have kids. A couple of them have kids. I don't look at my kids. They don't have to do stuff to please me. I adore them. I adore them. I'm proud of them. Even in some of their worst of times, I was proud of them because they're good people. They were misguided people at times, just as I've been. But deep inside, I knew their worth. Well, think about, multiply that by a bazillion And that's Father God. He knows our worth. And so I'm going to continue, kind of continue, from last week because I feel like we are in a time in the earth and in the church and God's evolving many things. He's transitioning us to um, different patterns of um, church experience and even preparing our hearts for the future of the ministry of Christ through our lives in the earth. It's not going to look like it always has. It can't. Because if it keeps looking like it always has, most out there are never going to hear it. Hello. So, I mean, if it's not real to us somewhere besides a church pew, it ain't real. So what I had felt last week and what I feel this week is to um, hit on some really foundational stuff because what's happening around us, you know, words paint pictures, actions and happenings in the earth, events, they have something attached to them. They have an energy attached to them that will either take you into kingdom understanding and into life with God, or it will take you to a crazy place. Do you know that you can go to the crazy place and not know you're in the crazy place because it makes so much sense? It's very sad. I've done that. I mean, you just think you are so right and you know everything and you know this book and you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you might know a whole lot of stuff here but you can be treating people like poo and that, you know, we can think it's the Holy Spirit all day and it ain't. And again, not judgment, but I want to look at things because there's been a lot of pressure against this planet for about 15 months now. I mean, there's always, you know, pressure on planet Earth. I mean, hello. There was a fall and people thought they knew. And so we ended up in some crazy places. But of late, this whole thing, and I I hate to give credit to the work that the enemy's done with pandemic and all, but something unfolded. There are lots of beliefs and ideas of why the pandemic unfolded. But the bottom line is the enemy is advantageous. He's an opportunist. And so the things that are transpiring on the planet now can grow bigger and bigger and bigger inside of us. They don't grow bigger and bigger and bigger out there. They grow bigger and bigger inside of humans. And then humans begin to view the situation from a perspective that's either holy, that's either kingdom, that's either personal faith in Jesus Christ, or it's rational thinking that takes these scriptures and begins to name things purely by doctrine, not by the Spirit. Are you all with me? Yeah. I'm not against doctrine. I'm totally for doctrine. But I'm only for doctrine when we use it by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't use it by the Spirit, you put yourself in bondage. And if you in bondage, you're going to train people after your kind. Yeah. Not bondage. Come on. You still love me? Yeah, you yeah. I mean, God's like rocking up talking some serious stuff in my face. So, That's I mean, what can I bring you other than what I'm learning? That's right. Come, Come on now. So last week we looked at moment by moment. I mean life unfolds moment by moment. We don't find ourselves in crazy places Oh, all of a sudden. Just all of a sudden the world went nuts. No it didn't. It started thousands of years ago. More thousands than most of the church want to admit. I, that Like that grabbed my mind. I could so go somewhere right now because most Christians don't understand how old this place is. But anyways, we won't. This is not history. Uh, we think scientists are crazy. Scientists are not crazy. They're discovering things that God intended for them to discover. Why we always think the scientific field is nutso? Not. I know, Right. But, I mean, if you sit and think about it, they're discovering things. Like, they're not inventing them. So we don't, just like Asia said, God is not afraid of our emotions and all this stuff. Well, we need not be afraid of intelligence and scientific brilliance. That's right. These brains. Hello, thank you, and he gave us a left and a right, so anybody who thinks they're better than somebody else because they're right-brained, neither one of us left or right, I'm like crazy right-brained, like almost to (laughs) a fault and makes people real upset because I just, uh, details just like, whatever. Um, Well, sort of, but not, because God (laughs) intends us to use both. That's right, come on. (laughs) But we lean whatever direction we're bent. And because he's so gracious and so kind and so merciful, he has people around us that have the other bent. And so we put our lives together and he says, this is the body of Christ. So don't try to strive to be both. Just be you and trust that God will make up the difference. Okay, so moment by moment, life be unfolding. 2020 and up to now in 2021 has been unfolding Come on now. i told you last week i mean i ended up having covid i'm like okay so i'm gonna still walk the same way Come on. because god gave me the word and said you're healed by the stripes of jesus continue walking Good. Come on. so what i want to look at tonight got a little bit of an echo guys i don't know maybe it's just my sharp voice or something i don't know <laughs> i'm not placing place blame um so I, I looked at the moment by moment, and tonight I want to look at the power of our thought life. Ooh. And you know what's so crazy? We all say, oh, I know, it's, it's crazy how the powerful our thought life is. Right. But then we let it go sometimes. We, we just like let it go where it wants to go, and we have all these thoughts. I, I'll find myself sometimes in this place, I'm like, how did I get here? And I even teach about this stuff, and like, here I am in crazy world, and, <laughs> and, you know, and it can be personal, it can be all kinds of things. Yeah. It, it can be any number of things, and that's why I always say, no condemnation. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Like, you know, tonight is the night to say, don't be afraid of stuff. That's don't right. be afraid of your humanity. Ooh. Do you understand that some of our quirky, nonsensical selves it proves the glory of God. Ooh. Wow! It proves the glory of God because honestly, I can't take credit for anything. I can't take credit for what I know and have revelation of and bring to you. Somebody taught it to me. That's right. Somebody put seed in me. And the seed they put in me nurtured me to believe that I should sit and ponder what they were teaching me, not the crazy I was thinking. Even when I didn't have doctrine, hadn't been raised in doctrine that supported spiritual things that were happening to me. I mean, seriously, I got baptized in spirit, ended up having encounters with Jesus in my living room. I'm like, this is so not kosher. (laughs) But seriously, like knowing that he's here with me, really knowing he's talking to me, I was taught to look for those kind of experiences when I got to heaven. Oh, wow. There were just certain places you didn't go because now you're just seeking after God proving something to you. Oh, wow. Well, he told me to ask for that. Come on now. Yeah. He said, he said in scripture, prove me now in this, says the Lord. Yeah. And see if I will not pour out for you. Come on. Well, what's he going to pour out? Just provision or just healing? No, everything. Knowledge, understand. What do you want? So tonight, let's look at whoops, our thought lives. Okay? And this is what we have to realize. Words are seeds. Luke eight eleven 11 tells us that. Words, the seed is the word of God. Okay? And so all words paint pictures. All words are seeds. Containers might be a better word for you. Container. If I mean, this is a container. It's got water in it. Yeah. It's got water in it. Um, I could have a can of Coke up here. It's no big surprise. It's got Coke in it. Yeah. Um, I had tuna for lunch yeah. and dinner. It's actually all I had today. But, <laughs> but I had a can of tuna. When I opened that thing, I wasn't expecting to have steak come out of that can. I knew it was going to be prefab, well, not prefab, but, you know, just canned tuna. (laughs) So we need to understand that words are the same way. So when we go to crazyville and we're talking trash words, and I'm not talking about cussing. You know, a lot of the church will get mad because people cuss, or they call it curse. Do you know if you say something contrary to the word of God, you're speaking a curse? If you say God will make you sick to teach you a lesson, that's a curse. That's worse cursing than some of the other four-letter words somebody might use, or I might use, or pfft, whatever. <laughs> Seriously, we've got to begin to look at what is God really saying to us in this word? So, his word. So, words are containers, and they always have, there's, there's only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of life, and then there's death. So, words are either life or death. Do you know that you can even speak these scriptures a wrong way with a wrong spirit? Uh, just think about it. In the wilderness, when Jesus went out to be tested in the wilderness, okay, after his baptism, who spoke scripture to him? Oh my gosh. Do you think he was speaking life? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, he couldn't because he didn't have that spirit. Wow. Okay, so say no condemnation. No condemnation. No condemnation because we're learning, but it's important that we be teachable and we learn these things. Mm. And if, if what I'm bringing is stepping on your toes, welcome to my world. <laughs> It's stepping on my toes, too. But I think this is part of the maturing process. God says, always go back to your foundations to make sure that you really are staying stable. And in a year like we just had, and who knows when it'll ever be normal again, if ever, really normal the way we knew normal. It may never be like that again, guys. Can we still believe that God is good? Can we still live in life? Can we still have joy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because what's going on on the planet yeah. did not shock God. In fact, on, those of you sitting in this room, he's built you for this. On, he's built you to release the spirit of life mm. in the midst of nonsensical horror. Mm. So words are seed and listen to this. You know, some things I always tell you, I'm going to read, straight off my page because that's how he said it to me. Words are seeds and will always multiply, always reproduce become more expansive with what they carry inside of themselves. Wow, They can be intrusive, edging their way into things. And this can be the case with both positive and negative words and thoughts. Because when words come, when you take a word, it becomes a thought. And it starts to billow inside you because it paints a picture. It'll paint a picture of either something good, something profitable in God, something life producing, or it will paint a picture of despair or fear or negativity. Mm. Even if it seems not terrible bad, not a horrid picture, but it's not life, it's building a bigger picture for you of negativity. So this is why we have to be very alert, very alert, okay? So it happens, too, with with negative words and thoughts. Remember, all words paint pictures. Um, There was an exercise that Pastor Barry and a couple of other people have done here, and it was, they'd say, close your eyes, picture a dog. And so a lot of us would picture the dog we like. I had a miniature schnauzer. He's, well, I won't say where he is now because you might say that's not doctrinal, but anyways. (laughs) Um, Willie, that's who I would picture first. And then Pastor Barry would say, A black dog. Well, Willie wasn't. He was salt and pepper, a salt and pepper schnauzer. So he was, you know, gray and white and black mixed together. So then it would adjust, and I'd see Willie. And then he'd say, a big black dog. Well, Willie wasn't big. Willie was about 24 pounds. Um, His name was Wilson, and he was named after um, Tom Hanks Ball in the castaway. Yeah. Um, That's a funny story because... um, I was just getting ready to start full-time. I had done ministry for years, but I was taking over the training center and starting full-time in September. And that movie came out that summer. And um, my husband said, I need a companion. I need a companion because you're going to be leaving me now and you'll be gone all the time, blah, 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 blah. And we watched that movie. And I said, we should get a dog now. You should have a dog. And so he said, yeah, that'd be good. And I said, we should name him Wilson. We should name him Wilson. I mean, that's just a quick, quirky story. But I mean, that's my life. That's, you know, have fun in life. You know, have crazy fun. And, and Jesus likes that. I mean, that yeah, yeah. Willie really did become Neil's major companion when I would leave in the morning and at night and be gone for extended periods of time. He had a companion. So words paint these pictures, but then he'd say big dog, big black dog. And then he would end up by maybe naming a breed. So the picture adjusted as the words came. Wow. Wow. Mm. wow! The picture adjusted as the words came. So this is why you have to be alert. If they're creepy words, stop them. Get a good word. Go to the scriptures. Even just if you don't know where to go in the scripture, go to Red. Just go to red, let Jesus start talking to you and say, okay, I'm calming down now, Jesus, because that was a creepy thing that was said to me. I mean, these are things that are just practical. Mm. Because when you seek after God, he comes to you. Yeah, he does. You see, when you say, oh, I don't even know where to go, but it's red. So I'm going to read it. It's good. Do you know that the word says that Jesus cast out demons with just a word? And I don't picture him going to somebody. I'm going to use your Rafa because everybody knows there are no demon in here. But he didn't just go and say, "Uh ah, devil, come out of Rafa now. Uh He didn't just do that. He would just speak truth. Because think about it. Words paint pictures. Words bring life or death. So Jesus would speak words. And sometimes in his meetings, people would start screaming. Yeah. Why? The demonic is reacting to the spiritual life. Wow. Okay, are you with me? Amen. So this is why we've got to realize, words and thoughts, that's, that's why the Bible says, guard your heart with diligence, because Ooh. out of it come all, I'm adding the all, issues of your life. I got some issues I'm dealing with. Mm. Some of them are deep-seated. I still, I, I'm shocked sometimes when I find out some of the incorrect stuff that still has a little bit of places in my brain from some of my religious upbringing. And, but when I see it, you know, Jesus is like, you're free from, you're free from that perspective. And I don't even get mad at the people because they could only teach me what they'd been taught. Right. So you don't, you know, look with disdain on people. Okay. You with me? Okay. So words paint pictures, which means they make something visible because it starts inside of us. I mean, anybody who's invented anything, they thought about it first. Anybody that has done anything good, they thought about it first. Anybody that's done anything perverse or creepy, they thought about it first. Wow. Oh my gosh. You don't just find yourself in perversion. That's so good. And, and it's seductive how it happens. Yeah. You know, it's seductive how negativity and cre- uh, criticism, st- it's just little. I don't like that they did that. Ooh, wow. And then we think, well, did they do that because they don't like me? Are they treating me wrong? And then we go down this path. Because words just keep on making the picture get more and more vibrant. And we build a story. We build a vision. Yeah, we start seeing stuff. Because you literally, you start seeing stuff. No condemnation. condemnation. I mean, seriously, like, the condemnation that comes is the experience. But that's not coming from God. That's the opportunist. But God's a bigger opportunist. So when you realize you're in Crazyville... You say, Father, I'm so sorry. I know this is not what you're saying to me. And so I thank you that you're renewing my mind to this truth. And you're even renewing my mind with this truth personally, not just congregationally. See, I have some wounds or some um, ignorances in my life that are different than yours. So he's going to speak to me personally as his child the way I need to hear. He's going to speak a language I know how to understand. He's not just going to speak church language to me. You know, if we go out to the world and tell them this gospel, the way we talk about it in church—oh gosh! I mean, seriously, they're—they're like—and then we start acting snotty, and they're like, "Okay." So, anyways, so this is why we gotta let interior stuff happen. Y'all with me? God is so good. Yeah, he is. Okay, so one thought can become a train of thoughts. You ever been coming to work and the train, and it's one of those daggone long trains. Like, there's not five or six cars. I mean, I used to get caught in Gainesville for like 15 minutes. You know, some of us that live out that direction would come here. I mean, it had to be trains like that were a couple trains hooked together. Because it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. And and you're thinking, where's all this stuff going? Who needs this much? But that's what happens with thoughts. They just start hooking up with each other. Ooh. The couplings. Sometimes when you feel creepy thoughts, and, or not just the thoughts, but you feel, yeah. your emotions change. Your whole energy changes, and you find yourself going into negativity. You've allowed the coupling of thoughts like a train. Yeah. And you've thought up some stuff. Little seeds come, and you have a whole story built. Wow. But that, you see, what it is, is the enemy uses God's spiritual laws. He doesn't have any spiritual laws of his own. Please. So he perversely uses God's spiritual laws. God says, I want to bring words, word, my will to you. I want to build a train of thoughts, a house of thoughts. I want to build a holy stronghold. So
1: good.
0: You see, strongholds aren't bad unless they're unholy. Then they can kill you. So the thoughts, a line of thinking, it becomes a line of thinking that takes residence inside of our minds, our thought life. And when we think the same thought over and over, it will become a belief structure. So think about the good. Let's get on the positive. Think of the good things that you know and you believe. Those are belief structures. You can take your home in those places. You can hide in those places when creepy stuff comes. If you have any good belief structures, you know certain parts of this word, you can hide out there. And you say, this is what I know about you, God, but there's more to know. Thinking something over and over um, and allowing it to run wild is meditation. We think, well, I'm not meditating. I don't meditate. You meditate all the time. Do you understand that this is why we dream at night? Because there are never not thoughts in our brain. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, say la. Just pause for a minute and think about that. There's never not thoughts. And so when thoughts come, or maybe they take up residence because of something that's happened in our life, something good that's happened in our life, return to those good places. Take those thoughts and dwell there. And they'll get bigger and they'll grow. Because again, we're talking about containers. We're talking about words. You have conversations with someone and maybe they don't know Jesus yet. And this is why we have to be alert to how we receive certain communications. Because some people that don't know Jesus, they'll you know think, like my stepfather, um, he's with the Lord now. That's a miracle. It's so beautiful. But anyways, um, I would speak to him about Jesus and um, he was so blunt. He would say, you're so dogmatic. You're too intelligent to be so dogmatic about that BS. But he didn't say BS. And so then we'd get. I'd say, well, you know, I really believe this. I'm having a relationship with Jesus. And he would say, even heaven and hell. I mean, that's just, yes. So I had to be alert, though, because I was young in some of the spirit-filled stuff when I was sharing all this with him. And so I would go away, and I would say, no, I know the encounters I've had with you, Jesus. I know what your word is telling me. And I would hold tight to this word. And I would even sometimes read it to him. And, you know, of course, he, would be, he loved me, so he'd listen. But he just thought, mm. Really? Please. And yet, he got a terminal illness, and as he approached his death, on his deathbed, he said to me, I'll be waiting for you in heaven. He received Jesus two weeks before he passed. Don't tell me you can't build a stronghold with the word. Because something started building inside him. It didn't build fast enough for him to receive divine healing. But he got the big deal. So we're meditating. The action of pondering something and looking at it in detail, feeling it, imagining what it would or will be like when it happens, when and if it happens. That whole process. Dread, dread is meditation. What if this happens? Maybe you have one detail in your life that's like not according to truth. Could be financial, could be a loved one that whatever. Um, And you start to dread. You can begin to build a scenario. Okay? And so you're pondering. We need to be alert to these things. Do you guys understand I'm not like trying to be like uh 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 I mean I'm I got fingers pointing back at me because I'm in the same place that there are things and even, even this week there's the difficulty because we've lost a loved one and and there's all kinds of things attached to that. You know, those of us that, that knew Eric deeply and profoundly for decades, a couple of decades now for me. There, there's things that try to come at our brain. And so we have to hold on to the truth of the word and even hold on to the truth that he lived his life by. That's so good. You see, so um, we all come up against what feels like a flood mm-hmm. of things that say, well, is this really? You see, really, there's only, from the enemy, there's only one question That's Has God really said? Yeah. I mean, it's what he said to Eve in the beginning, it's really a thing meant to divide us from God. His intention is always come for the word because the word will keep you attached to God. The word's what causes your heart to know that he's with you. Okay, those seeds growing in this ground, and this is what I love so much. Some of us might say, well, I don't know how to understand the word. You don't have to know in your brain how to understand the word. You are built as ground, divinely created to receive this seed. And the key is you are spirit. Spirit. And God is spirit. And so this seed, this is not natural words. Mm. This is spiritual in its nature. Mm. It's written in languages coming from humans. But its nature was a communication from God to people who were anointed and called to write down truth and testimony and God's goodness. And so this is actually spiritual seed. And so when you go to God, even reading something and saying, I don't fully understand this, or it doesn't look like my life is lining up with this particular promise or truth. You can say, God, I don't understand it. God, I'm upset with this. God, it's very disturbing to me, disheartening, disillusioning, whatever your word would be. What's manifesting here that isn't matching what you... But then we lean into, but you're not a liar. You see, it's not just that God chooses not to lie. He cannot lie. He is the spirit of truth. These are important things to grasp from this word. God, there's no way that he can lie. He can't tell you an untruth. It's not in him. See, I love that thought. That alone will calm me down. If there's something awry, it's not on his part. It's in how I've perceived his truth or how someone else has perceived it. The word meditate um, is the Hebrew word haggah, and one of the things to understand in culture is the Greeks were much more the intelligent stuff, and Greek is a beautiful language. However, the Hebrews, the Jews, they were very emotional, they were very physically involved with with what they did. And I mean, even the the aspect of meditation, it wasn't this mental meditation thing. They would get into the word of truth. They would get into the word as they understood it. And they would literally begin to fellowship with God, commune with God, move back and forth. They would literally do physical movements to involve themselves fully. And some of it was their traditions, okay? But the point is they were involving themselves, spirit and soul and body. Now, granted... They aren't in the place that we're understanding now, but it was humanity growing up. Can, can we believe that even now, God is evolving humanity in the understanding of kingdom, kingdom and him? That's right. So meditation in the Hebrew is hagah; It's to ponder by talking to yourself. Anybody ever talk to themselves? Some of my conversations, I would be blue ashamed if anybody knew the ones I had. Just because sometimes you meditate something, I mean... Anytime I know, I'm getting ready for work or something and i got a situation i got to deal with or a meeting and I'm sitting there yeah. doing my makeup and I'm like, and if they say this. And I... Yeah. When I start rehearsing like that, yeah. guess I know where I'm at. I'm totally in the flesh. Wow. I'm not going to approach this spiritually. And so sometimes I literally stop and say, Kathy, shut up. Wow. Just shut up. Wow. Wow. A good word. Come on. It's important to know ourselves. Yeah. So I, it, it makes me laugh even now because if I know that's my, why would I do it? because we get caught up in the thoughts and what the thoughts are telling us that this person is upset with you and when you get in that meeting, they're going to come for you and you better have an answer. But that's a scenario based on my own insecurities. And see, I've learned to get past that and say, no, no, no. I'm going to encounter you, God, because this person, I love them, you love them, and I'm going to believe they love me. And I'm going to fellowship with them, with you. You with me? This is important stuff. So you talk to yourself, you reflect. If you get a reflection, a thought, and it's like, ew, I don't want that to happen. So you say to God, what what really is your intention here? It's not this devastation. It's not, even if it's a tiny thing that's just a little bit off, be guarded because it's still a seed. Anything that puts a question mark between you and your Heavenly Father, you and Jesus, you and Holy Spirit, it is not coming from God. Ever. It's from the Hebrew culture. It's to moan or to mutter. To make a quiet sound. And when I was reading that in the research material that I was looking at, um, what I felt like God was saying to my heart was to make a quiet, soothing sound. You know, this is how good God is. That, like, I had babies and I nursed them and stuff. And so when a baby is not okay, you hold them tight and you soothe them. And sometimes you'll be like, shh or you pat their butt. That's a big thing with babies. You just pat them there. They can be in their bed even and they're crying and you just give a little pats there on their bum and they just calm down. They're soothing. Well, God'll pat your bum or shush-shush sh- sh- you or whatever you need. If you'll say, "Okay, the crazy thoughts are coming, Jesus. I don't I'm 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 getting out of line here and I, it's a train going down a track." And if I will turn my heart toward him and say, "I don't want to go here." I've learned how he comes to me now. And you can learn if you don't already know. There are ways he comes to you to shush, you. There's ways he comes to you. Like, um, a couple of my grandbabies, um, they've, they've named tongues Kiki and Nana because they've heard their mother's language and some of her words are Kiki and Nana. And she would sing to them. And so, you know, sometimes when I'm with them and I'll settle them in bed or something, um, they'll say... Maybe we you sing to me, Kiki and Anna? Well, Kiki and Anna never comes out of my mouth, but that's what they call tongues. They've been soothed wow. by something spiritual that it bypasses their brain. Wow. Okay. So that's what God will do for us. And sometimes, like when He comes to do it, you don't really know He's doing it. You just find yourself feeling less crazy. Come on now. Ever had that happen? Yes. You know, just like when you say, "Okay, I'm really angry with this person," but God, I don't want to be angry anymore, and you find yourself calming down. And then kind of thinking, well, I kind of more can see their side of it now. Wow! The, the spiritual power of words and thoughts, please don't dismiss it tonight. Don't dismiss this message. It's not what I'm saying to you. It's that God is saying, yes. be alert to your own personality in your thought life. We all have tendencies in certain directions, right? Yeah. Um, it's to contemplate something as you repeat the words haga represents something quite unlike the english meditation which may be a mental exercise only you know this is not the meditation you do when you do yoga or whatever it's not although you could do yoga and do the right kind of meditation it ain't about no third eye it is about your spirit yeah no third eye right and i'm not you know doing a plus for yoga or a negative. So if anybody's listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, she talked about yoga. <laughs> I mean, go to God, please. That's don't right. don't just go to religion on what's right and appropriate. Um, in Hebrew thought, to meditate on scriptures is to quietly repeat them in a soft way while totally, I love this, while totally abandoning outside distractions. Mm. Now, anytime you've got to abandon something, that means it's going to come at you again. So you have to abandon it again. Because some thoughts don't come gently a little bit at a time. Some come like machine gun fire. Anybody had that? Sometimes you're in a place, and I'm going to tell you, that sucker just blows at you like dynamite. Seriously. And you think, I don't even know how to pray God. I don't know what to do here. Well, he does. And so part of, I spoke a lot about faith last week, and Part of it is that we must simply begin to just trust. His word says he will never leave us, and he will never forsake us. I'm either going to choose to believe that, and not because I feel him with me, but because he said it. He said it. Come on now. Oh, gosh, do I go there? I don't think so. You know, some things it's like can just confuse the issue. Okay, so... um, this type of behavior the meditation this type of behavior thinking pondering becomes a deep way of communing with Father God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You see when you begin to practice being alert to your own thought life and you I mean it can be in the car and you take 5 minutes because a crazy thought comes yeah. and you arrest that thought. That's what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 10:3 to 5 and he said taking every thought captive. That's right. In obedience to Christ, not just in obedience to doctrine, in obedience to Christ, because in that moment, that thought could take you somewhere that's beginning to build a stronghold inside you. We sometimes think it was just one thought. I just played in that little playground just a little bit. But we need to understand there's no such thing as just a little bit. There's a building of our life moment to moment. It's not about legalism with God. It's about safety. I want to, um, and I was going to go into this last week, and I don't know if you remember, but um, I hit a point, and I just felt to end there, but I really felt like God wanted to bring this in, so now I know he wanted to bring it this week instead um, because we're talking about words and thoughts. So the word, word, is uh, one of the, the Greek words for it is logos, and it's a transmission of thought because you know, sometimes you may have heard teachers say that, well, the important one is rhema, and logos is like the uninspired one. No, nah, that's not true. Um, you know, and rhema is the personal word to you. Well, yes, that's true. But logos is incredibly important. Because the word, as this word, the written word of God, by the Spirit comes to us. It is Jesus, the logos. And then as you fellowship with him in that truth, he ramifies you. He, he like, makes it personal. Okay? So I'm going to read to you the definition of logos. A transmission of thought... A communication, a word of explanation, an utterance, a discourse, divine revelation, talk, a statement, instruction, an oracle, divine promise, divine doctrine. Doesn't sound like a nothingness, does it? So good. Um, divine declaration. Jesus is the living Logos, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is the living Logos. Um, in heaven, his name wasn't Jesus. He was the Word. He was the Word. He was the breath of God, the life of God. So good. And so God chose to put him in a physical body, exactly. and his name would be called Jesus. You see, all of these things that we know doctrinally, when we begin to fellowship with God and start to meditate on truths, like if if you meditate on um, actually at all of chapter 1 of John, but in, in that aspect in the verse 1, it's so powerful to think that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then you get down to verse 3, and it says, this is eternal life. No, it's not in that verse. It's, that's in John 17. But anyways, I just thought, because I saw my pages. Anybody ever see pages like that? Yeah. So even in the middle of teaching, God can correct me, and I don't have to be embarrassed. Y'all with me? So anyways, John 17, 3. That this is eternal life. To know God, and the one the one true living Savior that he gave us, okay? Mm. God, knowing God and Jesus is eternal life. Jesus is the living word. How are we born again? By the incorruptible seed, the living word himself. Mm. How are our thought lives regenerated, born new? By the living word, by the personal ministry of the word. He takes the logos and begins to sow it into our hearts and turn it into something personal for you. You with me? Um, I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures to go home and look at, um, because I think he's going to take me some other places here. But with re- with respect to um, the word hagah in Joshua 1.8, that word hagah is used for meditate, okay? And it says that when you meditate on that word, this was the directions to Joshua to meditate on that word, You will make your way prosperous. You will make your way prosperous. God's already done it. So it's his way of us receiving what he's done into our existence in a physical world. You, You with me? Because the way that Jesus steps right into our physical world and manifests is that we take the thoughts God gives us. We take the word. Jesus said in in one of his teachings with his disciples, take no thought saying. Because the way that you take a thought is it doesn't just talk in here. It starts coming out of here. Now you not only have the seed growing inside you, but you're starting to plant it in the outward expressions of your life. Now condemnation, we're learning, right? We're maturing in Christ. We're maturing in the word. So Joshua 1.8 and then Philippians 4 8 tells us what kinds of things to meditate on. And then I had told you about 2 Corinthians 10 3 to 5, where it says, Take the thoughts captive. You know, I can't tell you how to take your thoughts captive because I'm, I'm taking thoughts captive with the revelations I currently have, knowing that through the years of learning and practicing and putting into place disciplines that I learned here in this house from different leaders, there's now There's a thrust of it. It's grown up and become some stuff. And this is the beauty of the Christian life really lived in Christ by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Okay, I'm going to say something. Don't hear what I'm not saying. This isn't a diss against being a part of a church. But you can live in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Or you can live in church by the power of chapters and verses. Mm, It's good to be in church. It's good that we're together tonight. Yeah, go. It's good that we'll be together on Sunday. Yes. Gathering and putting our lives together is good because in the commonality of our community, we support one another. We encourage one another. We don't judge. That's good. We support one another. Right. On. We're vulnerable and transparent with one another. On. Doesn't mean you tell everybody your secrets, but you have to have some people in your community where you can be you and say, okay, I struggle with this. You see, and then we encourage one another. And that, too, plants thoughts. Because the words of a loving brother or sister grows inside of us like God himself. Come on now, Are you all with me? Yes, ma'am. I'm not talking tripe here. This is real stuff. Um, did I give you all the scriptures? Yeah. Um, so Jesus is the living Logos, John 1.1. 1, 1. The Bible is the written Logos. Hebrews 4.12, you know, that's the passage of Scripture that says the Word of God is sharp and powerful like a two-edged sword, able to divide between the soul and the spirit, the mind and the spirit. The Word of God is so powerful that as you put in place disciplines of the seed coming to renew your mind, to grow in your heart, there is a lifestyle, there is a structure of authority that begins to grow up inside of us. And you, you know, like I find myself almost 31 years down the road of being in this church, and I'm so grateful. I mean, even like the loss we have this week as a family, I'm so thankful for what lives inside of me and grows inside of me. Because though this is horrendous, we will all walk it out together by the power of truth. God is good. He didn't orchestrate the loss. Um, And the Holy Spirit utters the spoken Logos, 1 Corinthians 2.13 and verse 14. And it tells us that the person operating in their natural thinking, this is what the Bible tells us, the person operating in natural thinking cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God because they are perceived spiritually. They're perceived spiritually. So this is why I say when you approach the Word of God, don't freak if you don't understand it here. It will renew your mind, but it wasn't built for your mind. It's a spiritual power. It's a spiritual power. And it's, it's just like if you want to build muscle in the gym, you have to go and put some resistance against the muscle tissue. And it's not comfortable in the beginning of weightlifting and doing weights. Not that I do it. Okay, I've studied for illustrations. <laughs> but the power of resistance, the muscle tears. That's right. yeah, it, it becomes unfamiliar. It's wounded. And then you skip a day or two and you go back. It's healed. You keep stretching. And so it starts bulking up. When you use your faith, it's the same thing. Ooh. The creepy situations come, whether they be thoughts that want to build the situation bigger than it is, or it's actually happening out here. And you begin to stick. I'm trusting God. I'm going to trust God. I'm just going to trust God. That weight now puts some pressure on what you feel like, mm. what you believe. There might even be some tearing, like your brain says, it's not happening out here like that, Kathy. And so I press against that weight with my faith. And I say, oh, no, no, no. What the word of God says is healing is God's will. That's right. Divine life, long life is God's will. And so I feel like, okay, the muscles are tearing. I don't want to lift. I don't want to lift this weight. However, if I persist in lifting that weight, I'm going to bulk up some faith muscles. The point is not to bulk up faith muscles. The point is to be able to trust God and relax. The point is to come to a place where there's a discipline in my life that I don't have to live in a gym. Are you all with me? Here's some powerful truth. If you don't get anything else tonight, meditation prepares us for security and salvation because Holy Spirit fills us with what we will need on the path that we are navigating. 2 Peter 3 9 says, God truly desires that man not perish. That's a different translation than New King James. But God is not willing. That's what King James says. God is not willing that any perish. And as I said at the beginning tonight, it's not that God doesn't want people to go to hell. He wants them to go to heaven, though he does. Okay? But the point is, we don't just end up in a place like that. There is a lifestyle built. There is a, a, a reason we believe certain icky things in life. There might be a reason that you believe you don't deserve to prosper. And that's a form of perishing. Because it's not divine life for you. It's not the intention of God for your existence on planet earth. And if we can understand that perishing doesn't start out here, we begin to perish in here, wow. inside of our brains. We begin to be- build a lifestyle. I'm not worthy. Maybe I'm not educated enough to prosper. I'm not this. I'm not that. Well, the Bible tells me that nothing's impossible with God. Come on, you don't just awesome. prosper on the earth because you got a master's degree. There are people with master's degree and doctorates that aren't prospering. They may have a huge bank account, but they may be not thriving in their soul, in their heart. They may be debilitated, insecure, sad, lonely. You understand that perishing with God, not perishing with God, but to God, perishing is far more detailed and precise with you in the moment. In the moment. He realizes that if I take certain thoughts this week, They'll mess with what's growing inside of me. I'm not going to let any weeds come into what I know of the covenant of God. You see, when we begin to perish, then others that need us and need our love and our support and our encouragement, they can perish because then we go down and we will bring words or even just the energy, the the, um, impetus of what emanates from us. I picture sometimes, I don't know, some of my meditational time. I love to, th- to think about, to sit and ponder hanging with Jesus. I, that just rocks my world. I think he was such a freak in a good way. Uh, I, I picture him. I mean, I even have sometimes where I'll picture, like, if he was coming to one of our worship services now, how would he arrive? What would he look like? And um, so, I, you know, I've got, I've just got pictures that I have fun with that I, mo- I can modernize it. I don't care. So I'm not going to, you know. And then I like, too, to imagine what it was like back then to sit with him in his culture yeah. and to see how his cultural upbringing so messed up how people perceived him. You know? I mean, when he went to the synagogue, and they're like but then how he didn't go to the synagogue sometimes, and he went in the open field. Ooh, come on, yeah. He went in the open field. You know, And they, they would say things to him like, your disciples don't even wash their hands. And then other people are thinking, well, you steal corn out of somebody's field. Who cares if they wash their hands? You steal it. All <laughs> kind, just all kinds of perspectives, watching him, scrutinizing him. We do that to ourselves sometimes, guys. We scrutinize ourselves. Don't scrutinize yourself. Get with God and let him show you the important thoughts and the thoughts that are just like, don't bother. You with me? So he prepares us. So when I said it prepares us for salvation and Holy Spirit fills us with what we will need, I believe, well, no, I don't believe. I, I mean the story, and you guys have heard the testimony of Eli being diagnosed with leukemia. I am um, I'm, I'm marveled as we were walking through that because had we been at our church of origin and went through that, I, I don't know how we would have navigated it. I, you're talking about a four-year-old child going through years of chemo. I don't know how we would have navigated it. Um, he's alive and well, for those of you that... Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a tank. He's a tank. Um, but anyways, I marveled because we had been brought here decades before that. And my daughter had been trained in faith. I mean, she basically... Pastor Barry was her, her big daddy, like from 5 years old. She didn't even want to go to children's church. She wanted to sit right on that front row and listen to Pastor Barry. When she was a teenager, she didn't want to go to teen life. She wanted to sit on that front row and hear her big daddy preach the word. And so she comes into this situation and and my son, her husband, my, I don't call him my son-in-law cuz he's my son-in-law. Of, you know, he's not I don't put the law into it. <laughs> but they, they enter that situation. He was raised in that kind of truth. I mean, his parents were spirit-filled long before me and Pop were. So our family arrives here trained mm. to not perish. Mm. So good. It's, it, it's spectacular. It's spectacular. Even some of my training for ministry, I believe, happened in my church of origin. I was raised in the Baptist church, and we were taught. To put our hands to the plow and to be committed, to not look back. Mm. To commit our hearts to the church, to the body of Christ, to put our lives mm. into the gathering. So there were things that maybe doctrinally were more pervasive and, or expansive, but they were principles there that God was already seeding me for ministry. What has God seeded you for? what kind of strength has he seated you with what is he preparing you for in your future how you see this is why we don't have to have fear or dread for the future right. because you will never you will never arrive at a place where you don't have what you need never no matter how devastating when we arrived at the diagnosis god is so faithful that on the morning Um, Marion's taking Eli to the doctor for something else. And on the way to the doctor, she saw him in a hospital room. Mm. But when she saw that picture, gosh, I just thought she, I didn't even ask permission to say that, but anyways, whatever. Mm. She won't listen to me. (laughs) Um, So don't tell anybody. (laughs) But immediately on that, he says, the fruit of your womb is blessed. The fruit of your womb is blessed. Now, she had a relationship with Jesus so intimate that she knew she's getting some saving words, not understanding exactly what's ahead. You can't picture that. That's like hitting a brick wall. But the point is, God has things in you that you think you've just put certain disciplines, or maybe you've resisted the disciplines. Mm. No condemnation. Understand that he's putting some things in us every day. That will be our salvation in the future. That will continue the manifestation of the fullness of the Spirit in our lives. Some situations that He doesn't orchestrate, He's actually intended to use them to make us stronger. You see, this is the goofy thing with the devil. He gives you a free gym membership. I mean, he, if he knew that the stuff he does causes us to build our faith and to put a pressure against darkness that will benefit not just our lives, but the lives around us. He's literally causing maturity in the body of Christ. Wow! Shoot. But we have, to, we have to adopt that perspective. Not, oh my gosh, the devil's attacking us. That's right. Come on now. You see, this is why when you meditate, when you allow your thoughts to become Owned by God. And you say, God, if my thoughts are freaky, come after me. That's right. Convict me. Convince me of how dangerous they can be. You see, when you let God do that, he will begin to build you into a stance that when you even sense something coming your direction that's meant to destroy your life, you will brace yourself. Mm. You will brace yourself and you'll say, oh, no, no, no. You see, this is what David did. David was built for Goliath. I mean, and let me tell you, when you talk about a lion and a bear was his training, wow. giant was a big, or uh, Goliath was a big dude. We're not, we're not talking a, you know, like a basketball height player, like seven foot something. He was like 10 feet tall. That's a big man. I don't know about you, but I mean, I don't think he was like a skinny big man. We're talking about a giant. He was an actual giant. And so David wasn't a big guy is what scripture tells us. And so he comes at this thing. He doesn't want the armor. He's like, I can't be wearing your revelation. Yeah, come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. And he gets out there, and, he, and he's got something living inside of him that causes him to go in front of the army of Israel warriors. Yeah, come on. And refuse the armor and say, "You uncircumcised Philistine, how dare you!" Come against the armies of God. You see, that's an attitude that's built through the word of faith that comes from God, the seed of truth living inside of a human, and meditation on said word. Personally, I mean, we don't know what God said while David's out in the fields, you know, taking care of sheep. We don't know what God was saying to him when he was making instruments and then playing them before God, but he's. He's thinking in line with truth and utterly abandoning other distractions. Remember that's what Haggai is? He's out there, only God knows what he was thinking. Some of us might have thought, those are some silly thoughts. They're not silly to him. How God ministers to you isn't silly to you. It's not for anybody else. That's why, make sure you don't tell some of your encounters to some people because they'll try and discourage you and say, that wasn't God. Well, how do you know? If it literally encouraged me, put courage in me, the devil is not going to do that, guys. He's not going to build you in courage. So you can know that God is coming to literally cause you to not perish. But if we don't take it day by day, moment to moment, sometimes God will draw you to go into an area of study and you're thinking, I don't need to study this I mean, I didn't think staying in Mark chapter four in my devotional time for a year was cool. I was like, can we go somewhere else? But I didn't realize what God was teaching me about teaching. Oh wow! He impacted me, made me realize I'm doing something in your heart. I'm planning things in your heart, Kathy. And some of those things I didn't even know were happening in my heart. But it made me realize if people like my teaching, cool. If they don't like my teaching, cool. It doesn't really matter. If I sow this truth... In your heart, if I take the opportunities I have to speak in any public setting or in a setting with one person, if I speak the truth, God will do what he wants to do with it. Yeah, that's right. It's not my deal to make it come to pass. It's not my deal to make them disciplined to it. It's not my deal to make you disciplined. But what I am saying, I believe he gave me a caution for my heart and for you all. Let's do some of these foundational things. Meditation, literally looking at the word, letting him build a picture inside of you. How has he called you in this day on this planet? Yes, we go to church, but it's about far more than that. It's about far more than church attendance. It's about far more than scripture memorization. It's about the lives of not just our own being and the people we love, but every single human. Every single human there. I'm going to take one extra minute, and I'm going to share a story with you all. In the training center years ago, That I think you know there used to be a tuition-based school. Um, one night, a student came to me at the beginning of pray, right before we started Praise and Worship, and she said... Um, My closest office mate, um, her best friend's daughter was uh, sexually abused. They just found out, and I want to know if we can pray for her and, and the family tonight. And so I said, of course, of course. And so we got to a place in worship, and I felt it was time to pray. And so we all gathered around together, and we began to pray for the little girl and for her family. And we're, I mean, the students were going at you know, the goodness of God and taking care of this family. And and I knew, you know, they had things built in them to bring to that prayer time, and God knew it. And God says to me, when y'all are finished praying for her and her family, I want you to pray for the perpetrator and his family. Because their lives will never be the same. Mm -hmm. And I wish you could have heard the hearts in that room that night. Because the heart of God and the movement of the Holy Spirit led the prayer time. And the prayers of love and power were prayed as strongly over him and his family as the child's. You know, God, that's, that's God. That is not human thinking. You know, we think, string them up. Seriously, I've, I've, heard, I've heard Christians say things like that. Not a judgment of them. I'm just saying it's time that we let God show us what his heart is for us. So that we can know what his heart is for others. Because oh. the word of God tells me he's not a respecter of persons. That's right. He doesn't pick one person over another. Mm. He loves all mankind. Mm. Jesus came and gave his life for the whole world. Mm. And so I end with that because maturing in Christ is the name of the game for us. We don't want to just arrive at a place we're comfortable at. We want God to teach us and to continue teaching us so that what flows from our lives is the truth. And so we don't have to be afraid of our humanity, our flaws, but we do submit them to him and say, okay, teach me how to think so that I can grow up more and more and more. You all with me? Father, we honor you. We love you. We thank you that you're teaching us about how we're built. You're teaching us about our thought life and our ponderings, and, and you're alerting us, Father, to the trickery of our enemy and how he will subtly bring something that we just think it's our own thought, and yet if it's darkness and it's not from you, it has come from another kingdom. So Father, we love you and we trust you, and I just thank you tonight, Father, that, that when these men and women leave this room, that there's no condemnation that comes on them, there's no self-scrutiny or criticism, that They just know you love them and that we're all building disciplines into our lives. And so I commit this word to their hearts by your touch, by your touch, that they will not be disturbed or tormented, but they will lean into you. In Jesus' name, amen.